So last week we uh, tackled episode one in Jesus the Series season five, and we started to talk about the greatest message that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts off with the Beatitudes. That's what we call those. That word is not found in the Bible, but it comes from the Latin word, beatus, which means happy, fortunate, or blessed. So when we go through these eight Beatitudes, this isn't a list of things that we need to force ourselves to do and just try harder. No, it's a description of someone that follows Jesus and how following Christ gives you fulfillment and happiness. These things flow out of your relationship with Jesus Christ, and you will never regret following Jesus. It's all about the kingdom of heaven, and heaven is not just a place that we'll experience in the future. Heaven isn't a place that we can experience right now because heaven is any place that God dwells. And the Bible tells us the kingdom of heaven is the upside-down kingdom where the servants are the leaders and the last should become first. See, true followers of Jesus Christ are different. They live by a different moral code and they march to a beat of a different drummer. God God has called us to be different than the world, to do the unexpected thing, to love when others hate and to forgive when others get revenge. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. People that realize they're spiritually bankrupt and that God is the only source of true joy and happiness. The only way they can experience heaven on this earth. And then we learn that when we mourn and repent over our sin and then accept the forgiveness that God extends and we allow him to comfort us with his love, that's another way for us to be blessed. The poor in spirit get the kingdom. Those that mourn are comforted. Jesus is surrounded by his disciples as he preaches to this crowd. And he's telling them, this is what it looks like to follow me. Verse 5 in Matthew chapter 5 goes on and says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. A lot of people think of meekness as Uh, weakness, right? It rhymes. It must be the same thing. And we think that a meek person would say, I'm just a meek and lowly person. Please don't hurt me. They think meek means coward or sissy. But the word comes from the same word that we get a horse's bridle or, or a taming of a wild animal. And just like you can control a horse with a bit in its mouth, the meek people are able to control themselves. Tony Evans says it this way. He says, when you tame a horse, the goal is not to break it of its power or speed. Rather, the goal is to break the horse of its self-will. As long as you remain independent and wild, you will never maximize God's intentions for you. To be meek is to learn to submit your will to God's. Isn't that the funny thing about free will, right? God gives us this ability to choose. He made us different than any other creature that has ever lived. He gives us this uh, ability to choose with the intention that we would be willing to give that freedom back over to him and to submit our will to his will. And we choose to say, God, you choose. 
So to be meek is to bring our gifts and to bring our talents and strengths under control of the Holy Spirit. The meek don't throw their weight around and flex their muscles. They trust God to take them where they need to go and to raise them up in his time for his glory. So meekness is power under control. So when we talk about a meek person, we're talking about a person whose life is under the control of the Holy Spirit. God is the one that is leading their life. Now, some of us have that little bit of wild streak in us, right? We you get that desire to run off in our own direction or to uh, follow our passions. Buck God off the throne of our lives. But see, that's when we get in trouble. If we're driven by our passions, our passions will eat us alive. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that our heart is deceitful and it is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our heart is constantly trying to pull us away from God and his will. So the, for, the point is not to force ourselves to be meek, but rather to follow Jesus and God will guide us and lead us to be meek. To be meek is to submit to God's will and his way. The Bible tells us happy and fortunate are the meek. A.W. Tozer says it this way. He says, the meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of its own inferiority. Rather, he may be as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he stopped being fooled about himself. He's accepted God's estimate of his own life. And he knows he is as weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than the angels. And I love this part right here. It says, in himself, nothing. But in God, everything. That is their motto. And some people look at the Christian, you know, theology and say, well, you just always talk about how you're sinners. But yeah, that's the beautiful thing about it. We realize who we are. We don't puff ourselves up. We realize that I am just a sinner that is saved by grace. But God loved me and gave me everything. And he died on the cross for me. So it's not about thinking poorly of yourself. It's just realizing where you're at and realizing what God has given for you. We're learning over and over and over again that we need to step out of the way. Why? Because we are spiritually broke. So let God be the leader. Happy and fortunate are the people that realize they are in desperate need of Jesus. Verse 6 goes on, says, blessed are they that hunger and Thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. When was the last time you were hungry? Right now, right? Yeah. Whenever somebody mentions that, it's like, oh yeah, I am hungry. Well, when was the last time you were really hungry, right? Today, our definition of hungry is very different than in Bible times. These people sometimes were almost starving. They were, they were out in the, the sun and the sand and the, the, uh, without food, uh, sometimes on the port, uh, point of dehydration, the point of starvation. And being hungry it can make people do some crazy things. In 2008, Iran tried to put themselves in the Guinness Book of World Records by making the world's largest sandwich. 
The attempt required 1,500 cooks and 2,000 pounds of ostrich meat. I'm not sure why they went with that. Actually, I do know why. It was a promotion for ostrich meat. They were trying to get everybody to get excited about ostrich meat. I'd try it. But they're trying to stuff 2,000 pounds of ostrich meat into five, a 5,000-foot-long sandwich. So it took them two days to complete this culinary task. But as the sandwich was getting measured, spectators ran in and ate the sandwich. And the Guinness Book of World Records was not able to record this world record because of that. Being hungry sometimes forces us to do some things that we would not normally do. We've probably all watched one of those survivor shows, right, on the Discovery Channel where the host ends up eating like a grub or doing something crazy. And this is real, like drinking reindeer blood. Right? That's so disgusting. They do crazy stuff because they're hungry and thirsty. And in this verse, when we see hungry and thirsty, don't think about your little tummy growling or a little bit peckish, right? This is a starvation, a dying of thirst, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. But what is righteousness? Does it mean to be perfect? No. It means someone that does right by people. Someone that does what is right. Someone that wants to see right done in the lives of those around them. At camp, one of the pastors described righteousness this way. Essentially, being in good standing with God and others. So our need for righteousness should be like the starving man needs food, like the dehydrated man needs water. So the person that is genuinely following Jesus will have a hunger for righteousness. Is that evident in your life right now? Do you hunger after righteousness? Do you hunger after what is right? Do you want to see wrongs made right in the lives of those around you enough to push you to do something that you wouldn't normally do? When injustice is going on in the lives around you, do you care? Do you feel their hurt? When people are struggling and things aren't right, do you step in? What about in your own life, right? Does righteousness matter to you? Do you have a hunger and a desire to have nothing between you and God? No sin, no bad attitudes, no lies, no bitterness, no, hung, uh, no, no anger. The Bible tells us that hungering and thirsting after righteousness can fill us. Maybe you're right now going through a time in your life where you're like spiritually malnourished. We filled our, our hearts and our heads with lesser things. Things that taste good for a minute, but they don't actually last. They don't help us. They don't fill us. You know, donuts are delicious, but they have very little nutritional value. Maybe you filled your heart with things that aren't really bad. They just aren't what's best. They don't give your heart and feed your heart what it needs. Going fishing is good. That's a good thing. But it won't fill you. It's a donut, right? Serving others and giving to others and thinking outside of yourself is something that is better and more fulfilling. And when you can't fill your life with uh, spiritual junk food because you're going to end up living a life that's characterized by being empty and not being blessed. Maybe that's what you need to take away from the, the message today from God's word, this Beatitudes, is that 
I need to change my appetite. And that might take a little bit, right? If you've ever gone and tried to change your diet at all, nobody likes salads at first, right? You'd rather have a hot dog. Try and give a child a salad and see how excited they are. Sometimes we have to mature our appetite. And sometimes it's going to take a little while before we really, uh, you know, get there to where we enjoy it and we are filled by it. How many people have stopped, you know, uh, reading God's word when they've made a New Year's resolution? They stopped in week one because they get to like some genealogies and they're like, man, I don't like this. You got to push through that. You got to change your appetite. Sometimes you do just go even when you don't feel like it. And you change yourself because you realize that it's good for you and it's what's best. And sometimes you don't realize God's word is changing you until he brings it up in your heart later on. But we got to change our appetite because when our body gets what it needs, it feels good to feel good. And when our soul gets what it needs, needs it feels good to feel good there too so what if you took some of your donut time this week and instead chose the hunger and thirst after righteousness spend some time in prayer or helping a neighbor or reading god's word or, or finding a sermon to listen to online reading a book that grows your faith we have more resources in the church than we've ever had before and perhaps more people that are less interested in those resources than ever before. Why? Because we have so many choices. We don't even have to watch commercials anymore. We can have everything that we want right away. And we choose spiritually the donut instead of what we need. About 70% of you are only thinking about donuts right now, right? <laughs> Well, next time you eat it, when you drive to Dunkin' Donuts after this, or go get a Freedy down here, right? Remember, it's okay to eat this, you know, physically, but spiritually, I need something better. The Bible says if we hunger and thirst after the things of God, He will fill us and we will be blessed. Happy and fortunate is the person who follows Jesus because following Jesus, they will hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why don't you ask yourself that right now? Am I fulfilled? Am I filled or am I characterized by emptiness? This is an amazing promise right here. He will fill us. We'll hunger and thirst after the things of God. What, what an amazing thing to be able to trust and believe. God wants to fill you. He wants you to know your purpose. And that is a big part of being happy and fortunate and blessed. And if you aren't experiencing that fulfillment, then maybe you aren't following Jesus like you're meant to. So we see these words, right? Hungry and poor and mourning and meek. All these words are not things that impress anybody in this day and age. But Jesus is saying, these are the things that I find value in. This is a description of what it looks like to follow me, and I will bless those that follow me. See, people that are constantly aware that they are in desperate circumstances are ready to receive help outside themselves. And that's what this is saying. You can't do it on your own. People that are desperate take a helping hand. 
poor and hungry and mourning and meek. This is a person and a picture of those that are genuinely following Jesus. And they're happy and fortunate because they don't have anything in the world to distract them or hold them back. They're constantly aware of their need for Jesus. And the opposite is also true. People that have a lot of earthly things to hold on to, it's hard for them to follow Jesus. It's more difficult. They don't want to give up what they have. Well, Pastor Phil, that's pretty harsh, right? No, I didn't say it. Jesus did. In Matthew 19, 24, he says, Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why is it so hard? It's because when you love the things of this world and then you get them, it's hard to give them up, even when they hurt you. It's one of those classic movie premises, right, where a wizard or a genie gives a, a guy three wishes, and he wishes for money and fame and, and everything he ever wanted and realizes on the back half of that that there are serious downsides to those things. One day when I go and buy my Lamborghini, right, and I'm going to stress out so much when I pull into the Walmart parking lot. They're going to, what if I get a scratch on it? Someone's going to hit me with a cart. Someone's going to steal the emblem off of my uh, Lambo. Or what, I guess what I need to do is park a thousand miles away in three parking spots. Why do people do that? Because they're scared to death that something's going to happen to the thing that they treasure. I was pretty confident nobody had a Lamborghini, so I could call that out. <laughs> but the more things we have, the more things that we have to worry about. And we tie, the more we invest in this world, the more our heart is intertwined with this world, and that's what we care about, and that's what we love, and it's so hard to break away from that. The more things we have, the more our heart is tied up in things. The Bible tells us it's this way, where our treasure is, there our heart is also. So should you sell all your possessions to be happier? Maybe. Probably not. But just realize that that house, that bigger house is not going to make you happier. It might just make your life harder and more invested in this world and more anxious and, and worried. Happy and fortunate are the people that realize that things aren't what I need, but Jesus is what I need. There's no hope in material possessions. It's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to be rich. It's wrong to be married to this world. Poor and mourning, meek and hungry people are ready to lean on Jesus and they realize that they cannot do it on their own. This kingdom of heaven is this upside down kingdom. It's countercultural. The American dream is not the goal. Poor in spirit get the kingdom. Those that mourn are comforted. Those that have self-control and meekness are actually the strongest. To be meek is to submit to God's will and His way. And those that hunger for what is right will be filled. Valuing God, uh, uh, God's things over our things 100% of the time. So Jesus is surrounded by his disciples as he preaches to this crowd and he's telling them this is what it looks like to follow me 
Happy and fortunate are the people that realize that they are in desperate need of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, I pray you that help us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. God, I pray you help us to be meek. I know so often, God, my flesh wants to jump in control and anger lashes out and pride, bitterness, self-centeredness. God, help me to be under your control. Help me to follow you. God, but at the same time, to be meek is to bring our strengths and bring our talents under your control. God, I pray for every person in this room. God, the gifts that you've given them, help them to use them for you. God, help us to hunger for thir- and thirst after righteousness at our job, on our street, in our community, in our life behind closed doors. God, help us to hunger for your way over our way every time. Help us to remember that we are in desperate need of you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know for sure that if you died today that heaven would be your home. We talked about it just a minute ago. We're all sinners. It's not because we, you know, just have low self-esteem. It's because we're honest. We realize that we fall short. We break God's law over and over and over again. We lie and we cheat and we steal and we think wicked thoughts and we say wicked things. And that sin causes separation between us and God. started at the beginning of time. The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. And that's more than a physical death. That means what we earn and deserve for our sin is death in a place called hell. But Romans 5.8 says that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what the gospel is. Jesus in my place. He took the sin that I've accumulated and the debt that I had piled up and Jesus paid the price of my sin. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you can't go back to a time and a place where you realize that you were a sinner. Realize you couldn't make it to God on your own. No amount of church membership or giving or being a deacon or any of those type of things. You couldn't do it on your own. That you needed Jesus to pay the price of your sin so that you could get to God. If you've never done that, you can call out to God right now with something like this. Words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. You can change them by all means. You could call out to God right now with something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. 
God, forgive me. Forgive me for breaking your, your law. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own. God, I put my faith in what Jesus did on the cross. It's the only means of my salvation. I repent. Turning from everything that I held on to, letting go, and I choose you. In your name I pray.